God, that was embarrassing. Why did I do that? I definitely should have done some more research. That was so awkward. Sometimes being an adult is tough and you have to do things and make decisions that you might not feel prepared for. To help with these moments, I thought I'd share some of the things I wish someone had told me before I made a big life decision. This is the five things I wish I knew before with Ms. Ralston. Hi everyone. Welcome to the five things I wish I knew with Ms. Ralston. This is a special episode of the podcast for Are You Okay Week 2020. And today we're talking about self-care. Normally I'd spend this episode telling you five things I wish I knew before doing the thing that I'd spoken about with our expert. But today I'm going to share with you my top five favorite things to do for self-care and the specific benefits of each of these things. So in no particular order, here are Ms. Ralston's top five self-care activities. Number one, crochet. When things started to get more serious with the pandemic this year, I read online that some of the crochet bloggers I follow were starting to make stress sweaters. Apart from loving the alliteration in the phrase stress sweater, I was really intrigued by the idea of having a craft project that you would work on for short periods of time every day when you were feeling particularly stressed or anxious. I started my first stress sweater in March and with the move to online learning, production of my stress sweaters has steadily increased. I think I'm up to my fourth stress sweater at the moment and we're only in September. I really enjoy crochet and it was an activity that I was doing long before I started making stress sweaters. I think crochet is such a great activity for me when I'm stressed because it's an activity that I don't have to think too much about, that I can sit down in front of the television and crochet or I can be talking to my friends online and crocheting. The other thing that I really like about crochet is that it reminds me of my family and the connections that I have to family members that I might not see all of the time like my Oma. My Oma taught me to crochet when I was little and even now that I'm an adult every time I see my Oma I try to bring along my latest project so that we can talk about the things that I'm working on and the things that she's working on and that I can always get some new tips and tricks of how to be a better crocheter. The other thing as well that I found really fulfilling about crocheting and particularly at the moment is that at the end of my stress sweater making I get a super cool sweater and because there's a real tan tangible product that I get at the end of crocheting. I always feel super productive. After a quick Google today, I found that crochet is a technique that lots of people use for mindfulness as it gives them a space to focus on one thing. And for some people, the repetition of stitches in crochet or knitting is considered to be similar to meditation. Number two, singing and dancing to musical soundtrack. When I was younger, I used to be a dancer. And even though I don't have lessons anymore, I still love to dance. But if you listen to the people I live with or the people who have seen me dance, you'll hear that my skill set is nowhere near as good as I think it is. But that doesn't stop me. One of the best ways for me to deal with stress and refocus my brain when I'm not having a great day is to turn on a musical theatre soundtrack, pop in my headphones and sing and dance my way through all of the songs. Again, based on the feedback from the people I live with, I'm not as good a dancer or a singer as I think I am. In fact, I'll be honest and say I think my singing sounds like fingernails on a chalkboard and apparently I'm even worse than that which I think is a real achievement but it doesn't matter what other people think of my singing or of my dancing because when I'm stressed when I've got my headphones in when I am singing and dancing my way through a musical soundtrack I can forget everything that's happening in the world and I pretend that I am on a stage pouring my heart out if I have to drive to work on mornings where I have to drive to work you can always find me in my car singing along to some musical theatre 
thongs. Luckily, I've only ever been caught by a coworker once. And I'll say it's one of the most embarrassing things that has ever happened to me. Because when I was driving into the car park at work, my song hadn't finished. In fact, it was just about to hit the emotional climax. So as I pulled into the car park, I wasn't going to stop singing. I wasn't going to stop belting. I was going to hit those high notes and get through this song and then, you know, start my day. So I was sitting in my car. I hit, well, a note while the actress who was singing hit the high note. And as I was belting that note out, I turned around and saw that one of my coworkers was also sitting in their car and was in fact staring at me, making eye contact with that coworker. Oh, it was just so awkward. And I turned my music off. I got out of the car. As my coworker got out of her car, we looked at each other again and luckily no one has spoken about it since. But even that moment isn't enough to deter me or stop me. And you best believe on those mornings when I have to drive into school, I will be pumping some musical theatre songs in my car. After another Google, I found out that song and dance is a great outlet for emotions and that for lots of people, singing and dancing your way through a song, but particularly a really emotional song like a power ballad, can help you work through some of those common complex, stressful feelings that you might have. Number three, building Lego. Okay, I'll admit this might sound like a weird thing for an adult to say, but I, like many other people out there, love Lego. I'm an adult fan of Lego, or an AFOL for short. Every weekend, without fail, you can find me building a Lego set, connecting multicolored tiles, plates, and bricks, or even just moving minifigures around on the sets that I've already got built. In fact, I actually have a few minifigures that I've created to look just like me and my best friends. To be fair, my best friends were not as excited as I was when I told them that I'd created a group of us out of minifigures, but they're my best friends. And so by this point, they're kind of used to those weird things. During this period of isolation in particular, though, I found that Lego has been a really great activity to take my mind off the things that are stressing me. While Lego sets do have a recommended age range on them, and I often am significantly older than that recommended age range. Most Lego sets are still really difficult and I always find a couple of steps when I really have to focus on what I'm doing. I also have really enjoyed setting up different scenes out of Lego and then sending the minifigure version of Ms. Ralston on a plane to Disneyland or to visit a haunted forest or an abandoned castle. And saying that out loud, I know it does make it sound like I'm not very nice to the minifigure version of myself, but I mean, she also gets to visit ice cream carts and nicer places too. When I googled why is building Lego good for your mental health, I got lots of responses that extolled the benefits of Lego for children. But I'd argue these same benefits apply to adults too. Lego can be tough and requires lots of critical and creative thinking, especially if you're making your own design. Lego can also be a really great creative outlet and you feel a real sense of accomplishment when you finish a set. The last Lego set that I built was a Disneyland castle. It took me two weeks and when I finished building this castle I was so proud of myself that I sent a photo to my best friends who while they don't quite understand my love of Lego when they saw just how big this castle was were super supportive of my success and even asked if the minifigure versions of themselves could visit. I feel like I'm slowly convincing them that Lego is a really great outlet. Number four painting my nails. Before I got my job as a teacher I worked with 
with food. So I could never have my nails painted. But then I got a job as a teacher. And since then, without fail, I have painted my nails a different color every week. It's gotten to the point where my fingers feel weird if my nails aren't coated in polish and some sort of glittery or sequiny top coat. I find now that painting my nails has become an established part of my routine. And it's something that I really enjoy. Putting aside an hour every week to do my nails and really focus on myself is something that has become a huge part of my self-care routine. You can probably tell how much I enjoy painting my nails by the amount of time that I spend doing it. On a Sunday night, I'll sit down with my array of nail polish colors and I'll choose some polish for my nails that will establish a general theme for the week to come. And then when I'm deciding what to wear each day, I'll make sure that my outfits fit the theme set by my nails. I also really try to include an element on my nails every week that is gonna make me smile when I see them. So that even if something stressful happens during the day or I'm not feeling so great when I wake up, I can look down at my fingers and smile. Yet another Google search has revealed that painting your nails can be a great way to showcase your creativity and that it also acts as an opportunity to reinforce your self-worth for lots of people and remind them that they are worth it. Number five, reading. It's a well-known stereotype that English teachers love reading, and I am no exception to this. I love books, especially books about folk and fairy tales. In fact, most of the books that I own, most of the books that I will pick up and read again and again and again are collections of fairy tales or comic books or crime books. Sometimes they're even comic books about fairy tale criminals but I love reading. And every day I begin my morning by reading. At home, when I'm working from home, I try to read for at least half an hour every morning before starting work. But when I was commuting into work every day, sometimes I would get to read for an hour and a half. And it was a great way to start my morning. I also finish each day by reading. And I am constantly in awe of a book's ability to transport its reader to a completely new time and space. The way that books can help us see through someone else's eyes. Apart from helping you to think about things in new ways, Google also tells me that reading more can help you improve your vocabulary, improve your memory, and help you de-stress. So those are Ms. Ralston's five favorite self-care activities. I hope that hearing me talk about self-care today has inspired you to spend a little bit more time being kind to yourself. Like I said at the beginning, Thursday this week was Are You OK Day? And that's a great opportunity to have a conversation about mental health with the people in your lives, to check in with your friends and family, and also hopefully give you some space to prioritise your own mental health and self-care this week. As always, but especially this week... Be kind to yourself, take care of yourself and make sure that today you do something for you that is going to make you smile and laugh, something to take care of yourself. Thanks for listening to this episode of The 5 Things I Wish I Knew Before with Ms. Ralston. If you heard something today that sparked a question, check out our website. The link's in the description and there's a place for you to send in a question that you would like an answer to. If you'd like to hear another perspective on this topic, be sure to check out the new episode of the Not So Simple Guide to Adulting. Take care of yourselves and be kind to yourselves because adulting is not so simple. I'll see you later.